you figured out your nickname before before the, yeah before it showed up in the press yeah <laughs> so they're probably gonna call me the cannibal guy uh-huh. yeah it wasn't so clever i figured i did it on my own uh, if, if i was arrested a month later it would have been the cannibal sergeant yeah. <laughs> i would have been promoted it, it doesn't sound as good from the smallest room in new york city salivating sergeant. salivating sergeant comes a show that gives you a reason to live i could totally work for the post you should work for the post <laughs> Whatever people have, whatever opinions they have of me and what I'm into, that's fine. I just want people to conclude that I shouldn't have been in prison. I don't give a shit if they think I'm a sick freak or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's an insane story. It's it's uh, it's definitely a Hall of Fame shit as far as New York City crime report goes. Uh, <laughs> you can imagine how happy we were to see this happen. You know, I mean, like, uh, uh, sure. Uh, you know, I'm glad my you know. <laughs> So yeah, some it worked out well for some people. Yeah. yeah. Now, now that I'm out, you know things are going okay for me too. Man, yeah. I, I, I'm so happy to hear that because it's such a heartbreaking story. It's just like a, it's a thing that should never happen to anybody anywhere, and and what you've lost out of it is uh, it's immeasurable. I mean, like I, it just to me, the time yeah. alone. 21 months. Yeah. Now, you know, you just said the word heartbreaking, and that's an interesting word, and that's something a lot of people miss out of the story. There's a lot of jokes, obviously, and I'm totally fine with that. I'd rather people joke around and bust my balls and make fun rather than be afraid, but, yeah, I mean, my family, you know, everyone's gone. My daughter's gone. My ex-wife is gone. I lost my job. Everything, I mean, I'm a human being, too, and 21 months in the grand scheme of things isn't that long. There are people who have spent a couple decades behind bars and they were innocent um yeah but so long, to think how much longer it could have gone just thank god i had a good judge who did the right thing yeah and, and it's interesting how that happened but i mean that's getting way ahead of the story i guess yeah, yeah, but yeah. You, you know it's it's uh it's it, it's you know 21 months and 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 I mean, you say it's not all that long. It's a really good attitude to have. When I read I mean, these stories about people who have, you know, spent that the 15, 20 years, you yeah. know, and they get out, you know, and, and, and some of them just die right away. A couple yeah. of them just drop It's dead. a whole different world out there, too. How can you, after 15 years of basically isolation, how can you come out and survive in this world where you're just thrown into this whole new situation? Yeah. yeah. Now, out of my 21 months, seven were in solitary confinement. That was extremely, that was extremely, extremely difficult. Oh, okay. I thought the whole 21 months was solitary. No, after seven months, I had to get the hell out of there. Okay. So, and you um, were in, like, general population? Yeah. You know, obviously, it was a risky move. The captain of the prison was afraid that I was an ex-police officer. Yeah. I said, I don't care. I got to give it a shot. You know, if I get my ass kicked the first day, so be it. But, yeah. um. Just the isolation was getting too much. I can see why. And 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 when you went out into the uh, general population, that's when we started getting the stories about you being a cook. I guess. Yeah. Now I wasn't actually a prison cook, to be technical. I I worked in the kitchen. I worked the line. I put like the food in the you know in the corner, of the tray where it's supposed to go. I cooked in the prison for myself. That's mm-hmm. what everyone did. Everyone oh. just, like took care of their own thing. Oh really? Yeah. So. I guess, you know, the Daily News or whoever did the story, things got blown out of proportion. Oh, he works in the kitchen. Let's just say he's a... And he, he actually does cook in there. I wasn't the cook for, like, 700 inmates. Of course. That yeah, would have okay. been that would have been kind of a nice troll job by the prison, but <laughs> it didn't happen that way exactly. Imagine the New York tabloid press blowing something out of proportion, you know? Uh, uh, shocking, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, you, you, it's so... In the story, like, when everything comes down... And and this is what we're waiting for as we're reading about your life, and it's fascinating. I'm, I'm talking about the book Raw Deal, yeah. which is a must-read, a real page-turner. I'm not even a reader, and I couldn't put it down. It's uh, it, it's it's the story of uh, Gil Valley, uh, uh, formerly a cannibal cop. Well, he's not the cannibal cop anymore. Now he's the cannibal author. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for that <laughs> distinction. Yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting, <laughs> huh, to finally get your word out, isn't it? Yeah, finally. It's like uh, there were several reasons why I wanted to do this. One, I just think there was a lot of, still a lot of misinformation out there. People were making up their minds based on wrong information, and that was getting frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when you say people, you mean just the general public? Just the general public. You know, I'm, I'm on social media. I monitor what people say from time to time. And I don't care what people think. People are entitled to their opinions. I just... I just would get upset when people base their opinions of me based on wrong information. And there's tons of it out there. Tons of it. Tons of wrong information still. Um, You know, you had to sit at the case every single day. You had to go to every court hearing. You had to read the whole transcript to get that. And not many people had that opportunity. So Mm. 
there's this mindset that I got off in some technicality, and that's totally not true. For the judge to do what he did, I mean, it had to be crystal clear that it was 100%. I was just wrongfully convicted. I was innocent. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's shocking that you went, uh, that you were, that you were, that they, as, as you read through the trial, you know, and, and I'm not going to lie to you, that's, that's about where I got to. Yeah. And I know what happens. And I'm reading everything that happens in the trial, and it's just wrapping up the closing arguments and everything. And it's like, you're home free. You've got to be home free. That was the mindset. You know, the turning point, I think, during the trial was my lawyer's cross-examination of the FBI agent. Um, that was, yeah. I think, the game changer. <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that's talking- when you know, people in the media were starting to get it. Now, you said this was a, you know, everyone, people think this case was a travesty. Now, go back to the uh, when I was arrested. Mm-hmm. There was stalking. There were real-life actions that they were alleging, stuff that never happened. There was this, you know, I was on a woman's block, and there was a trip to Maryland. Why would I go to Maryland? And all that stuff was just so blown out of proportion and just blatantly misrepresented. Now, when a trial came, the truth came out, and people, most people realized that I was getting railroaded. It, that didn't make it any less embarrassing for me. But when the verdict came down, obviously you can imagine what the momentum we had to get that verdict. It was just so... You must have felt like you just got kicked in the in the gut, in the balls, in, in the, the gut, balls. whatever. Yeah, that's yeah. Everybody's kicking you. There's there's several several legs kicking you in that. Yeah. Uh, and and after everything you'd been through, uh, you'd already had a few of those gut kicks. You know, from the beginning, it was nothing but one fucking kick in the face after yeah. another. Now I was in prison, so I was shielded from all the tabloid stuff. I didn't have access to any of those newspaper articles, which kind of, I guess, helped me mentally. But my family was on the outside dealing with all that stuff. You know, they had to deal with friends and coworkers and. I don't think my family's ever been honest with me with how difficult it was, and I don't think I've been as honest with them how difficult it was for me on the inside. But just sit, sitting there, listening to these prosecutors at the at these hearings, listen to you know the nonsense they're saying, this stuff about stalking women, and you know, it's like they can say whatever the hell they want to say, and nothing happens. You know, they said whatever they wanted to say to keep me from getting bail. Now I'm in prison. Now I now I want to rush to trial. Yeah. Because it's, I don't belong there. I'm in solitary confinement. You know, from the arrest of the trial, it was four months. That is, like, insanely quick. But it's just it, it, everything they did was so uh, incredibly dishonest. And as you said, the U.S. attorney can just do that. That's something that they can do. Yeah, that's like it, the, the, the attitude is it's business as usual. How come you nobody, know? there's not anything in place for that? I, I wish there was. I hope, you know, hopefully this case is a starter. Who, who knows? Maybe some someone with some power will read it. I mean, there's a lot of this going on. There's an epidemic across the country. Now that I'm one of these uh, exonerees, you know, I follow a lot of these, like, Marshall Project and Innocence Project, and I read a lot about this stuff, these right. prosecutors across the country withholding evidence and just completely dishonest stuff, and most of them are not reprim- reprimanded at all. They've got a conviction rate to worry about or something. And- That's all they care about, it seems. And I'm not saying... Every prosecutor is like that. I'm sure there are plenty. Most people, I'm sure, are very honest. But yeah. you get the bad ones that they want information that's going to put you in jail. That's that's what they want. Yeah. Anything that's not, they don't want. And, and uh, I feel like they they just don't give that much attention to anything that's and and plus the way they blew certain things out of proportion uh, throughout. Like when you uh, from the beginning, you know, you're on her block, and then as uh, more information comes out and time goes on. You know, once you've missed your opportunity for bail because yeah. it's you're some sort of a threat, and mm-hmm. uh, even your own uh, attorney who stepped in for Julia, uh, Julia Gatto, your uh, your current attorney, the one you had, you know, that you yeah. had throughout the case. Uh, I guess she was off one day. This guy steps in and says uh, he does a hearing, and he says that you waived your right to come to the hearing. And uh, you hadn't. I didn't know the hearing was going on. Yeah. And then they make this other allegation. It looked like the judge for that bail hearing was in, a, in our corner. He was going to maybe let me get bail. Yeah. And then this other lawyer comes in out of nowhere and makes this allegation about, um, you know, I gave this woman a, a token. token. Yeah, yeah. Or and it wasn't even me that gave the token. It was a third party that gave the token. So she, the judge was, like, completely creeped out by that. Yeah, and, and, and it was presented in such a, an eerie way when it's something so simple. Uh, let's save that. That's a good one. Yeah, uh, that's, I, I, this is one example. <laughs> there are many, many examples. There's the trip to, you know, the trip to Maryland. They interviewed the girl from Maryland. She yeah. said I was a good friend. But it, in the bail hearing, it was like... Oh my God! After all this time, he wants to suddenly come down and see me. What's going on with that? But yeah. I, I saw that girl every single time I was in town. I, I went to the University of Maryland. I met her there. 
totally in love with her is what it sounds like you know uh, like, like the, the, in a long lost yeah, kind of I mean, was, yeah that that was a little crush there when i was in school but uh those things, those things, things die hard. They last long. Yeah, yeah. It was a tough way for that one to end. It's the last time, you know. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, you, know, you know, it's. Have you seen her since the trial? No, I haven't seen any of them. I haven't seen any of the people who were called victims. And it's, you know, I'm fine joking about this stuff, but it's I'm sure crushing. It... You lose everything. These yeah. were important people to you. These were important women in your life. Uh, you know, those those kind of long term friends, man. I mean, like. You know, truth be told, uh, I mean, I, I've I've had to flush a couple away. It happens, you know what I mean? But not like that, you yeah. know what I mean? It's something you feel like you have some control over. It's not ripped away from you by the government uh, and in such a tawdry way. Uh, but, you know, let's talk about who you are. Let's, his name is Gilberto Valley, and uh, he was born and raised in uh, Queens, uh, yeah. I believe, Forest Hills, Forest right? Hills, exactly. Yeah, and um, you... Uh, you know, had a pretty normal childhood, right? Extremely normal childhood. I think people who kind of look at this case from the outside, all right, how, how did this happen? What happened in his childhood that led him to be aroused by these sadistic thoughts? It was nothing, literally nothing. You know, I didn't, uh, there weren't any animals tortured. I didn't wet my, I didn't start fires. That's a big warning sign, right? People who start random fires. I never mm-hmm. started a fire in my life. Yeah. Just a completely, completely normal childhood. My parents separated when I was kind of young, but that had nothing to do with it. They were both very much a part of my life. Didn't accidentally take a bite of the wrong corn dog or something? No, nothing of, like that. No, no, no. <laughs> accidentally eat some horse meat or no. something that was like exotic. It, <laughs> it was uh, just a regular ass uh, growing up. Completely normal. I had a lot of friends. I played baseball. Just the typical all-American kid. And you played, uh, you played really well, too. Yeah. Baseball, right? Yeah, I was uh, pretty good. Uh, we... I went to Malloy High School, so was known for their baseball team. We won the city championship in 2002, my senior year, so that was a nice way to go out. Yeah, go um, out like John Elway. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, I, I batted fifth. I got a base hit in the championship game. I was a third baseman. Um, How did you decide to become a cop? Um, after my second year of college, I had an internship in Manhattan, an office gig, you know, very well paid. But I hated it. It was like I didn't want to do the office thing until I was 65 years old. So I wanted something a little more adventurous. Well, what sort of work was it? It was just administrative type stuff, you know, maintaining databases and filing stuff. It was just an intern. I got coffee for <laughs> coffee and bagels, that kind of thing. But a paid internship. That's nice. Yeah, it was paid, which was at that age, it was good. It, was, it paid pretty well, too. It was right in mid, right around here, actually, somewhere in Midtown. Well, you'd be um, like a big shot, you know. That's, like, that's not so bad, but it wasn't for you. No, it wasn't, you know, that stuff is not for everyone. I wanted something a little more, I guess, outdoors, adventurous. So the timing worked out where I was a junior now in college, and I was looking to add a major, so I added criminal justice. And I had a lot of teachers who were cops and, you know, retired captains down in Maryland. They made the job sound really fun and interesting. Yeah. Um, Not just that, but I've always been kind of the person who likes to help people. So Mm -hmm. I thought, what better career? The benefits, obviously, for a police officer, outstanding too. Sure, yeah, and it's a great job, and, and it, it, it's a job that, that garners you some respect, and it's a job that, uh, that it, the respect is well-deserved, you know? And, and a lot of cops, I think, uh, I, I don't know why a lot of cops go into it, but it's nice to hear you went into it to help people. I, I'm sure that, there, that there's some element of that for most police officers. I think so, yeah, yeah. It's, that takes a certain person to want to put your life on the line for someone you don't know, obviously. You know, people call 911 not to say hello. People call 911 because they're in an emergency. They need most people. I mean, some people make ridiculous calls, but... Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they do. You probably went on some. Oh, plenty, yeah. Yeah, yeah plenty. Like, that, was, uh, that was one. I remember uh, the Chinese restaurant. You know, they had those pictures of the food. A guy called because the picture had, like, six shrimp, and they only gave him five. Oh, for Christ's sake. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, wow. How'd you straighten that out? Oh, I just walked out. <laughs> Give him another shrimp. <laughs> yeah. You uh, love being a cop, though. I did. I, I, I liked most of it. Um... You know, some of the internal stuff bugged me a little bit. The, mm-hmm. You know, they had these uh, just harassment for numbers, number, you know, for activity, stuff like that, um, which, yeah. you know, quotas do exist. I don't think that's shocking to anybody, but I have no problem. I mean, you shouldn't have any problem with that. Yeah. You know, the job needs a way to measure a police officer's performance. So what else are they really going to go by? Now, there's a lot more to the job than the numbers that I felt at times the job was too driven by numbers and not enough. Uh, you know, there's no paperwork if you, some kid gets bullied, 
and you take them aside, you buy them an ice cream cone or something like. There's no paperwork to submit for that, but that's something as a police officer you might do. I mean, you know, you might give that kid a a good feeling about the cops. That's community policing, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. it's important, and and building those kind of relationships. You know, what I mean, that's uh, that. I'm, that's just as important as uh, stopping and frisking somebody just to fill a quota. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. See, so you got a lot out of that chapter of the book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, I know. I stop, mean, the, I think stop and frisk is a good tool. I mean, it, I, it what was. Do I know, it, it, no, it was great, but it just got out of control. It was abused, and then the, when the federal courts got involved, forget it. It was over. Well, with the quotas, that's the problem. And they you, say you have to stop and frisk this many people. Yeah, you can't put a quota on stop and frisk. They're either there or they're not. It's good police work if you find someone you stop and frisk them for the right reason for a legal reason but it just got completely I, out of control and that has to be where it went wrong it's not yeah. racism it's just like not nah, we gotta we have to do this yeah and i was talking uh, right before all this went down with me i was driving the sergeant i was a sergeant's driver up until i passed the sergeant's test so i was basically coasting up until the time i was promoted mm. And it was nice kind of on-the-job training. I had to drive to sergeant every day. And I talked to her, and I said, you know, this is – we both said this is going to end up in the courts one day. It's just it's, – it's not right. It yeah. really isn't right. Well, you called that one. It sure did. Yeah. And then uh, uh, Shira Scheinlin was, uh, I guess, removed from that case, and a lot of different stuff happened. de Blasio ended up just going, ah, forget it. We're not going to – and they mm-hmm. dropped it. Uh, de Blasio, bit of a pandering jackass, in my opinion. Uh-huh. Uh, some people might like him. I don't know. You uh, are you a fan of De Blasio's? Uh, you know, it got a little personal when I got out of prison. He was uh, he didn't have very nice things to say about me, so uh, I don't know the guy personally, obviously. But no kidding, I didn't know that. Yeah, he uh, he said he was surprised the court the judge did what he did, and he didn't think I should ever get my job back. So you know, this someone someone to- again, like I said before, someone totally from the outside who didn't follow the case, who just is going off of tabloid headlines. Uh-huh. You know, so uh, that's one thing for Joe asshole. But when you have a, a you know a bully pulpit like that, you know, to yeah. like tell the world that's not right. Yeah, that sounds like that. That sounds about uh, par for the course for Mister De Blasio. Yeah. Mr. So Warren since I mean, Wilhelm. that was about two days after I was out of prison. So from that day, I've kind of uh, <laughs> God. Yeah, I'm, I'm not his biggest fan. No, I guess yeah. not. Yeah. yeah. Well, so uh, you uh, were a cop, and and everything's going fine. And uh, you got married. You met. Uh, now this is something interesting. You uh, you didn't have sex uh, until you you held off until you were like twenty five. Yeah, twenty five. Yeah. Uh, do you did you think did you attach any anxiety to that? Not at all. It just I, I wasn't this horny kid. I, I you know I went to college and I wasn't this kid who was like oh my god it has to happen. It just it just didn't work out. It didn't I didn't stress over it. There was no anxiety. It just you know it'll happen when the right time comes. That's it. Yeah, and and you actually uh, you you married uh, your first. Yeah, yeah, which is uh, it's the way it used to be. You know yeah, what I mean? That's... Back in the 1600, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know that's the way all all our parents did it supposedly. But um, you uh, you also. Um, we're into some fetish stuff by then. I mean, like you, From, uh, you yeah. What you discovered this uh, in your teens? Or uh, in well, college? I mean, now I didn't find the whole cannibal porn until college, but I was always into sort of the bondage realm from the moment I started noting sexual, you know, noticing sexual feelings. So it was like eleven, twelve years old. Huh. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'd gone my whole life. Um, do you remember the first time that you experienced that? I mean, no, like, not what, really. There's that no, triggered that? There's no big scene that I remember that it's like, ha-ha, this is what I'm into. No, it was just kind of gradual. It was, I guess, in psychology, they call it conditioned learning. You know, you get more of something and you start to realize. There wasn't one thing that was like this moment where I... Yeah, like you're watching cartoons, ladies tied to the railroad track, and you <laughs> just come in your pants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's... Understandable. Everybody has their own, uh, pre, you know, uh, whatever peccadillo is or whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, everyone's got their own thing, and I don't think. Uh, well, bondage is so it's such a common thing now. It, it is, but still, you know, if someone doesn't want to volunteer that information or what you know what they're into, they shouldn't have to. Mine, oh, f- you know, mine are out there, not by my choosing. No, I would. I, I, I still can't imagine having to do the things you did and having that revealed, even just to the first person that you, even just to your wife. Now, uh, and that's an interesting thing because yeah. she's, you know, I, the way I imagine you, and uh, you have, a, she's your, you know, wife, your first. She's the mother of your child, uh, and even before she was the mother of your child, she's uh, she, 
I when I got married, I thought of my wife as like the first time I'm married three times. Uh, that there was like a purity to her, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? That she was like uh, there was a goodness and a wholesomeness, and it kind of like uh, anything dirty was separate, you know. And I don't know if that was that way for you, but it seems like it was. Well, we were able to we clicked right away. I mean, you just kind of like some people say you know right away when you meet someone. I mean, we had this chemistry right off the bat, mm-hmm. and then um, what also helped was that she got the fact that I was a cop. I was having problems. I was dating women, but they had the regular nine to five jobs off Saturdays and Sundays. And as a cop, that doesn't always work out. You have rotating days off. So some days, you know, some weeks I'm off Wednesday and Thursday and I'm working the weekend. So people just couldn't get around that. But mm. Kathleen, her father was a cop, so she got it right away. What kind of cop was he? He was a patrolman out in uh, Nevada. Okay. Yeah, it's just a, it's and he a was cop. a career uh, patrolman? And, yeah, and career. Then... He's very, very well respected out there. People still talk about him. And did you ever meet him? Um, yeah, I met him uh, a few times. Yeah. I went out to Nevada, met her family. Probably got along great. Got along great, yeah. A lot to so talk about. Really got along. Loved that guy. He loved me. Man. Um, yeah. That, that, when you get along with the dad, man, you're so in. Yeah. You know, that's that, a that, that, was a, that was a home run. I mean, it, close with her dad, too. Sure. So that's, close, yeah. that, that's always a good sign as well, I think, with women. Yeah, he sent me, um, I think it was for Father's Day, uh, my only Father's Day, unfortunately. Mm. But... Uh, he sent me this uh, this pin, like this Reno Police Department pin that I wore on my NYPD uniform for a couple of days. I took a picture of it and then just so Kathleen could show her dad. Nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah this He's is in nice Reno, little, huh? Yeah, Reno. I mean, they're still, they're still out there. Biggest little city in the world. Yeah, it's fun out there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my second wife was from there. I've never been there. But it's, uh, it's a certain kind of place from what I hear. It's kind of Vegasy, but small town. Yeah, it's kind of yeah, exactly. And the people there are very nice. You know, based anywhere but New York, people say good morning to you. People, you know, it's, it's like it's weird if somebody doesn't say good morning in a place like that. Yeah, hey, I you know, I've, I've taken especially. You know, when I got out of prison, I was still on house arrest, and then I was on uh, under supervision of probation. And now I'm completely exonerated now. But when everything finally worked out I did a you know some I just wanted to get the hell out and just travel by myself so I went up you know I used to go down to Maryland now I go up north a lot I went up to Lake Placid I go up to Maine my co-authors from Maine so I go there a lot now okay um, and so you just travel on your own uh, yeah I, I I would put I would take my bulldog and uh Dudley Dudley yeah, yeah. I, I take Dudley with me sometimes yeah that's uh, nice that's yeah. a good looking dog too I could see you really miss that dog oh my god yeah that's the was... one thing you didn't lose yeah Dudley, and of course, you know my my, my immediate family. But uh, as far as, as far as a possession, yeah, Dudley. Your mom is, is a my my wife says she's a sweetie pie, and I agree. She's such a nice and and strong and 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 uh, you know just so in your corner. That was one thing about watching the the movie when yeah. True Crimes, or, or I'm sorry, I thought Crimes, uh, the Aaron Carr movie. Yeah. Uh, when we got to see that, and I was just so impressed with the relationship you have with your mom. Yeah, she uh, she was the face, I think, of our family, but my whole family was very strong. You know, they never, from from day one, they didn't believe any of the allegations, but I didn't get to see them until, geez, about a week before the trial started. Just the paperwork never worked out in the prison, so my pipeline between me and my family was uh, the paralegal, Julia's little paralegal, Alex. Yeah, yeah, who um, sounds nice to you. Yeah, yeah. and um, I mean, Julia, the whole team... Got it from day one. Julia is this very feisty, and I, like she's a public defender. Mm-hmm. I just got lucky that I got arrested that day, not the day after. I could have ended up with somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> right, somebody who's like, man, you're in trouble. Yeah, but uh, from the first bail hearing, I saw how I mean, she was really like vehemently fought for me, and she got it right away. So I said, you know what, I'm I'm okay with her. Plus, I thought it helped that she was a female. Oh. I thought it helped that it, you know to have a woman defend me in in in, in, in a case like this was uh was huge it worked out to be not only a female but the, the perfect female i mean that's the way it sounds she's so like you said uh she's down she's oh, she's angry for you yeah that's what you want well she got very angry once the paperwork started coming over after the bail hearings were done and i was in prison for the you know for the duration you know then we start getting the paperwork over and that's what really pissed her off but she was also kind of impressed like everything i was saying was the truth I mean, I think she believed me, but in the back of her mind, she had to be thinking, well, there's got to be something here. I mean, it's, yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, sure. It's but, just nice when everything checks out all down the line. Sure. Okay, it must have really bolstered her sense of like, no, I did know who this guy is. Yeah, so that really, you know, really, uh, she had a new fire in her eyes when we got that. Well, you know, you, you mentioned uh, that your your family, uh, 
you know, might not be completely honest with you about how difficult it might have been, and you're probably not completely honest with them about how difficult it is. So, uh, like most families, I know how it is in my family. Uh, there's like not a lot of people don't talk about shit like that. It's, it's yeah. more like it's it's the love's there, you know, but it's uh, you just don't talk about things in that way or something. It's weird. You don't share your feelings. Maybe I guess you might call it. So, uh, do you see a parallel there between? the way you were with your family and the way you were with your wife that like, you know, there's, you can't really quite tell her everything. Yeah. But, uh, it wasn't just my wife. It was my best friends. And, you know, I had this thing going on with, you know, my sexuality, my whole life that I didn't tell anybody and I wasn't ever going to tell anybody. And, and it, and it grew from bondage into, uh, you know, uh, the, the dark fetish, dark fetish.net, I guess. Dark fetish network.com. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is that still around? Yeah, it is. Okay, so the site's legal. There's nothing wrong Completely with it. Completely legal, yeah. And, and, and furthermore, everything you did on it was legal. Completely legal. So um, you, uh, so you, do you fuck with it now? No, I don't. No, no, no. Because <laughs> you totally can. It's legal. No, I, and I make that point in the book, I think, and I made that point in an, uh, in an interview I did last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the, the reporter asked me, if, am, am I back? On the, I said, no, but if I wanted to, I could. It's not illegal. Totally. Yeah. Um, but that's, no, it, 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 that, would be, that would be a tough thing for me you know knowing that like well that's i'm completely justified i got nothing to do for the next four hours uh but i have an addictive personality maybe you don't um you know what's also this sounds kind of cheesy or whatever but i worked nights as a cop so i'd come home at midnight everyone's asleep and i you know who like there's nothing to do to really socialize now i work a nine to five job uh, I have to be up at a reasonable hour, so I'm not like on the computer much as much as I used to be. Well, and tastes change too. Uh, I don't know if your tastes have changed. Have your tastes changed? No, it's always it's the same. It's always going to be there. It's not yeah. like someone can just say abracadabra and you know poof, it all goes away. Well, no, it's not a sickness to be cured. It's it's just something that is. But I know that like the the stuff that I jerk off to now is different <laughs> from the stuff I jerked off to when I was in my twenties. You know, yeah. but now it's 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 uh, you know anybody but my wife. You know. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I've only been married for a fucking year. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. She's the best, and I love her, but uh, God damn it, she's the only one, you know? Well, I, you know, you talked about the Blasio before. I, I, I don't know your wife, but I listened to the episode you guys did right at the time the movie came out, and <laughs> oh, I, I, was, I was glad you both got it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm a, you know, without knowing her, I'm a fan of hers. Oh, she's the best. Thanks. Yeah. I'll tell her you said so. Sure. Uh, and, 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 she's, uh, and, and she came out of the movie uh, just like I did, going like, what the fuck just happened to this yeah. guy? Uh, and, and were you happy with Thought Crimes? No, uh, I totally wasn't. It was, I was extremely disappointed. I heard you guys talking about this in that episode. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm glad you guys reached the right conclusion, and I think a lot of people did, but it just wasn't. It wasn't what I was told it was going to be. I was told it was going to make a firm stance for my innocence. Everything I wrote in the book, you know, you read the book. Mm-hmm. It's, like, shocking what they did. Everything I write in that book, Erin knew. And she chose not to put that stuff in there. She, You know, she said it was going to go in there. And just a lot happened, you know. So she's telling me this entire story that she wants to make a firm stance for my innocence. She believes in my exoneration and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, which would have been yeah, yeah, you know, uh, right to do if you know that stuff. Yeah, and keep in mind that the case was still pending at the time. I had been acquitted by the trial judge, but the government was appealing, so it was still going to be decided by the Court of Appeals. Yeah, and I think the movie came out even before. The, the day at the, it aired on HBO the day before the oral argument for the, for the appeal happened. Oof. So, yeah, the timing was uh, interesting there. Yeah, um, that, that must have, like, yeah, really brought it to the forefront there. Yeah, so from my shoes, what I... And this is Aaron's own word. She did a lot of interviews after the thing aired, and she said she wanted to make a movie where half the people would walk out saying, "I think he would have done it," and half the people would walk out and saying he would have wouldn't have done it. Do you think someone in my position would have signed up to do something like that? I don't so, think where, so. where it would leave the outcome? So that's why I was upset. That being said, I'm glad people still generally reach the right conclusion, and a lot of people were reaching out on social media and giving all kinds of encouragement. So that was good. But I was just extremely upset that. She wasn't honest. She wasn't upfront what what she wanted to do. And mm-hmm. um, well, that's a, you know she comes from newspaper people, and they want to do that whole like objective, fair and balanced thing, you know. And David Carr being the uh, you know uh, <laughs> yeah. I guess you know uh, what you legendary uh, you know journalist at the New York Times and everything. Maybe she th- figures that was some uh, some extension of that or something. I really don't know her. Mandy knows her a little bit, uh-huh. and um, the, you know I, I guess. Uh, 
that's how we got to go see the premiere, which is exciting. You know, yeah. I was really, I was excited to be there. I mean, the fact that I wasn't at the premiere should have told everyone everything. You know, that I wasn't happy with the thing. I, I was supposed to go. Yeah. Up until the day before, and I saw a private screening with Julia at uh, HBO headquarters in April. How did Julia feel about it? Uh, she wasn't thrilled with it either. Yeah. Uh, you know, but we couldn't really the case again. The case was still pending, so we couldn't go out and say, "Oh, this thing is a. It's not an accurate represent." You know, we didn't want people to know that we were, we were unhappy with it. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's it, you, the less said, the better at that point, right? Yeah. So you know, there's Erin running her mouth doing all these interviews, and I can't say a damn thing to defend myself. Mm. And, and did you ever speak to Erin about it privately? Uh. I, I would read her interviews and I would text her and say some. Uh, there, there was one she said uh, in an article that I wasn't returning her phone calls. So she didn't call me once. So I text her. I said, like, I'm beginning to really wonder if you're a pathological liar. Why, <laughs> why would you say that I'm not returning your calls? That's something I can easily look up myself. Yeah. Yeah. So she actually that so, does have like an implication to it. There yes, too. Yeah. yeah. Like oh my god. Like uh, like like is he avoiding? Like is he planning to do something with me? I'm trying to talk to him. I'm trying to calm him down. No, she didn't call me once. Mm. So she actually called the 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 person who wrote the story and asked that quote to be removed, and then they removed it. But that's cool. What the hell was it doing there in the first place? Ah, it just it sounded good. It uh, exactly, sounded good. It was a nice you know, bite I, for I, I, I don't care. Nice uh, pun intended or no? Yeah. No. No. Uh, okay. <laughs> No, not at all. That's the other thing. Yeah. Uh, in, in in my life today, I have to be careful with stupid with the little things I say like that. You yeah. know, like uh, I can't use food puns really. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and there's yeah, that, that, that would itch all the time. Yeah. You know, I completely forget about it. You know, talk and as you read the book, it's like I completely forget about the whole cannibal angle. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just seems like really you refer to it as Kafka esque, and I was thinking the same thing before you before I got to that part where you mentioned that. I'm like, this guy is basically pulled out of his home, yeah. locked in a cage. Not really told very much. You have a conversation, uh, and, and and the whole time you're thinking, "Oh, this is easily cleared up," and you know, I, it's like uh, you just can't trust the government, and 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 at least of all the federal government, I guess. You know, I mean, it sounded to me like like when when he's at the end of it, he goes, "Well, well now we got to book you," you know, and all that kind of stuff, and he acts like it's just a matter of course. But that's like what? Yeah. Like you thought maybe you're just gonna get you know. Uh, it's vicious. It seems it's, it seems like like really predatory, you know. Yeah, I had uh, I didn't have the best agents assigned to my case, you mm-hmm. know. Um, yeah, they were they were. And not- you know, and the, there is this whole idea that they had to come get me right away because I was a cop. You know, they couldn't wait. They couldn't do a sting operation. That's they had they they, they kept track. They had a tracker on my phone for thirty days. Mm-hmm. So they were watching me for thirty days. That's plenty of time to do a sting or whatever they had to do. Mm-hmm. Which and they're they going do. They're basically they're going. This guy is boring. No, they didn't. Unfortunately, they <laughs> thought this was a real. This was still a real plan. Now you know. But you just went to you know work, came home. I went to dog. work. Yeah, you, I don't know if you ever watched Breaking Bad. Remember when they put the uh, the tracker on Gus's car and he just goes like they they see two weeks worth of just literally to and from work. That that was me. Mm. Kathleen had left with the baby. I was depressed. I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to socialize. So I would just go to and from work, and that was it. I spent yeah. some nights at the precinct. I just I hated being home some nights. So you you would be uh, prior to your discovery, right? You've got this all to yourself, and uh, you know I believe it. You reveal at one point that that Kathleen has the idea to maybe spice up the relationship yeah. a little bit. She had just a little bit of information about, uh, like, she saw a site that you had been on that involved bondage, but yeah, she didn't more, really get the full was, picture. No, it was a more vanilla bondage site, and it was just, I left the computer on. I didn't log off my account. It was careless. And she so. thinks it's like uh, Fifty Shades of Grey shit. Yeah, uh, so yeah. she's like, uh, she's kind of okay with it. She actually felt bad that she found it. She was like, I didn't mean to find it. It was just there. So she was the one kind of feeling, we were both kind of feeling bad. I was embarrassed as hell because here I am, 28 years old at the time. Yeah, I'd never told anyone about this. No one, you know, not even like the regular, which now is more mainstream. The regular bondage stuff now it's like totally okay for people to be into that. Is something? This was what around 2012. 2012. Yeah, this time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so. Um... Yeah. So she suggests going into uh, you know getting some toys to go to a sex shop. Now, thank God I didn't. That saved my ass. I didn't go in because. 
the, if the FBI comes in and arrests me later on, they find some ropes and gags and stuff like that. Yeah, that looks worse. Yeah, that's that's big trouble. But it looks, but it's okay if the wife is like, no, this is something we do. It well, could have know, normalized it, 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 possibly. I guess it just depends on how good the sex was. <laughs> not just that, yeah. I mean, that's true. But if you guys just, have to, like hit it off that way. I mean, it, it, but then you know, going uh, going off of what happened later on where she portrayed our relationship to be completely different than what it was. I mean, uh, God knows what she would have said about that stuff, you know? I, can, I can't imagine a greater indignity than having to sit and, and hear, uh, you know, your ex-wife report the details of your life as if it's this nightmare, you yeah. know? Uh, and uh, and t- seemingly knowingly, you know? I mean, it just it, it must have been so painful to do that. And there are these rules in court where you can't use certain things. Now, she was interviewed by the FBI, of course. Mm-hmm. They have interview notes from the time. She was interviewed after I was arrested. So she told the FBI that life was going very well for us up until the arrest. So up until September 2012, life is good. Everything's good. That's the original now, story. That's the original story. Now up on the witness stand, it's, oh, I noticed something in January, which fit, fit perfectly with the conspiracy charge. And then... Just, it was, That's why I say intentionally, yeah, because she's helping them build their case. Yeah, it was so frustrating Ugh. to sit there and listen to that. Why was and, she so invested in putting you in jail? That's what I don't understand. I, I, I always kind of deflect my... If I'm feeling angry toward her, I kind of redirect it toward the government and the FBI. Okay. Um, I think they scared I'm going to go ahead and be mad at her. No, I know, and I, <laughs> I, I remembered that episode. You guys kind of hammered her a little bit. I've never been as hard on her as maybe I should, but... It's, it's, you know why? But try to put yourself in her shoes, okay? She finds this stuff, this really horrifying stuff. She finds all these chats, really graphic. It's like pictures of her, mm-hmm. pictures of, you know, friends of mine. So yeah. she's completely, she goes to the FBI. I never faulted her for calling, the, even calling the police. I never, But the police should have come back and said, this is nothing. Yeah. Does that mean that we fix our marriage? Or does that mean we don't get divorced? I, I don't know, but. Well, I and I understand all that. It's, it's certainly a... a a thing to discover. I mean, any kind of like a secret you find, yeah. anything. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. You know, it could be like you just say, "What? Why'd you talk to him for?" You know what I mean, or anything. Yeah. Uh, so like, I get it, but like at the same time, at, at that point, you know, when she's like, I, I think she must have been. The only way I can understand it is she must have been very angry with you. You know what I mean? Just like it really, was a, it was a combination of being angry with me, and I, I don't want to speak for her. You know, I don't want to do what Aaron did, and you know, Aaron spoke for me in all these interviews. I don't want to do that to anyone else, so no, I don't no, want to speak for not. her. But yeah, I'm, I, yeah, I'm just taking a guess. Yeah, yeah, it could have been she. She was angry, but I really, I, I truly believe the main thing was that these the F, the FBI agents and you know Hadassah Waxman, these prosecutors, they scared the ever living shit out of her. Oh, that. Yeah. You know, thank God you called when you did, because you were about to be brutally murdered in in, so, in, in Pakistan or wherever I was supposed she, to. <laughs> yeah, three three places at once. Yeah, on one day. That's a nuts. Yeah. That's that's nuts. That that was that's that was the height of it right there, as far as like the impossibility, the improbability, the total uh, just the lunacy. And that's yeah, what you know. Exactly. When 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 I said before, I had really dumb agents assigned to my case. That's what I'm talking about. When they're seriously treating a real conspiracy that I was going to kidnap on one day a girl in Ohio, a girl in Manhattan, and a girl in, uh, I was going to bring another one to Pakistan <laughs> all in one day. <laughs> like, like if I go to Pakistan to eat some, some chick. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I want to go back to, you know, before Kathleen knows anything, right. And you, you thought about kind of maybe trying the, the bondage thing or whatever, and you just didn't you didn't go in you couldn't go in the store i know how that feels yeah i don't know it's a weird place and it's a weird thing to do um and uh especially you know how do you begin to to broach that with your wife who uh you know this is a fantasy you've had way longer than you've known her yeah and um you know and she's the mother your daughter and everything and like it just there's a certain kind of uh because the fantasies that you were going through uh were really you know they're really graphic. They're really grim, and that's the point. You know, yeah. I think everybody understands that. You know that like you're, you're, you're fantasizing, and just just to get it out, you know, once for anybody who's not really familiar completely with the story. Uh, I mean, I, you know, maybe I'll, I'll let you t- tell about it. You know, I mean, like I don't want to put words in your. I don't want to tell you about you. Uh, well, I mean, like what um, what are you trying to? Well, the fantasies that you would yeah. have, like like about women uh, that that, you, that they would be abducted. Yeah, they then, would be kidnapped, tied up, gagged, and just completely at my mercy. Now, there were women. I used 
pictures of women that I knew in a fantasy. So I think most people, when they have fantasies, they think about people they know in their real life. So, you know, people were arguing that because these involved women that I knew, that this potentially was a real thing. But that's I I hear you. You've you've been attacked on this a lot. A People lot, have yeah. really nailed you on this. This is a safe place. You're. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. I'm totally relaxed. I'm totally. Yeah. No, I mean, after reading your book, and please, everybody should read Raw Deal uh, and and see what can happen uh, just from your thoughts. The way uh, the government can like really uh, blow up your spot. That's a and nice. Ruin your life. That's a nice segue talking about the book because it's a lot easier to write about this stuff than it is to look someone in the eye and talk about it. <laughs> I bet. Even I though totally you com- get it. Even though you completely get it and, you know, a lot of people completely get it, it's still, you know, oh, with man. my with my co-author, my co-author completely gets it, but it's still, it's tough to talk, to look someone in the eye and talk about this oh, shit. Oh, yeah, you know what? I, I'm so sorry. Like, I, I feel like that, that was a rude thing to put you on the spot with because, like, it, of course, you would you would obviously, you know, not, not be, like, totally <laughs> down with, like, here's what I jerk off to. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, Well, the main point I wanted to make was that a big part of the prosecution's case was that these involved women that I knew, but people fantasize about people they know. That's normal. There's of nothing course. unusual about that. Now, my Not fantasies are different than a lot of people, and a lot of people are into their own things, but no one just like whips up in the figment of their you know, imagination this fictional person. You have to, like, there's visual stimulation when you're jerking off or doing whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I use. You know, women that I knew. In, 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 well, in, and and, it, and and to me, there's something almost kind of um, as you share these photos, it, it's 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 sweet, you know, because you're going like, check this out. This is a woman I know. You know what I mean? Like it, it's like, that's what everybody does when they have a picture of some chick. Check this chick out. You know, on your phone, it happens all the time. You're yeah. just doing it online, and uh, and anonymously, you know, and which is which makes it even more harmless because you have no idea where these people are, who they actually are, what their lives are. If they are who they say they are, which they're probably not. Yeah, and that also, again, going back to writing is a lot more easier. I can be a lot more graphic. I can be a lot more, like, sick with the stuff. Uh And I would never talk about it. Even today, if you gave me a transcript of the shit I wrote on the Internet, I probably couldn't read it. It would be too tough for me. But when you're, like, an anonymous person behind a computer screen, no one knows who you are. It's like freaking let it all out and just go nuts. Yeah, you disappear into the night. And and yeah. when you're, and, and the the idea that, like, the more kind of graphic it gets, the more it's going to go over. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, and as a comedian, I, I mean, I guess I understand the idea of, of escalating, you know. Sure. And making it, uh, making it memorable. So, um, yeah, I get that. Uh, it. And and the real women thing, of course, you know that's just the way it is. It, it's it's part of life, and and uh, but that's as far as the government making their case. That's where, I guess, that's where they figured that's what's going to hit people emotionally. You know, it's like, what if this was your picture, your daughter, yeah, exactly, you know, shit like that. You know, people making decisions that are not based on the law, but are based on emotion, which is why that juror that they had uh, speaking a lot on thought crimes. That was the only good thing about the documentary was a juror that said we convicted based on what he might have done in the future, mm-hmm. not on anything that he actually did. Yeah. Which they couldn't do. That's, you know, I'm charged with a crime, so they have to convict or acquit based on what I did, not on what I might do in the future. Exactly. And that's what, that was a main point that Julia made a lot during the trial and even during the, some of the hearings pre-trial. So Julia was happy because that validated what she was saying. Why I was convicted, because the jury was, and you know, the closing argument didn't help <laughs> the uh, the prosecutor's closing argument where it basically terrified the hell out of these people. Yeah, and, and also against the judge's instructions. Many times, yeah. Brings in the whole policeman aspect of it where it's like, I oh, know, this guy has a, he's got a badge, he's a cop. Yeah. That guy, Randall Jackson, is his name, right? Yes. He is a killer. He's just a killer out there. Uh, on in court, he's now uh, left and, and he's doing he's, a private thing. Yes, uh, I heard. Yeah, I heard. Yeah, I happened to catch that. I saw a picture of him online, and it's like uh, he's very sleek, bald, black guy. Uh, with just a killer look in his eye. You know what I mean? He actually, uh, if you go to his bio page on whatever firm he's at now, mm-hmm. under notable cases, he yes. still lists. You saw that too. <laughs> I did. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, he listed you. The balls on that guy. Huh? He, he's, he's listing a bunch of convictions, and then he lists. Uh, but then he lists, uh, and you know, tried this case. You know, because yeah. he can't say that. You know, it's not a conviction. But then, if someone were to look up that case, they would see. I mean, the judge didn't 
technically comment on the misconduct of the closing argument, but he did feel co still compelled to mention a couple things. The police officer thing was one. The whole idea of, uh, you know, use your common sense, and this is not a fantasy, that's okay. I'm not on trial for my fantasies. I'm on trial. Even him saying that, like, this is not a fantasy. So he's acknowledging that this is a fantasy, mm -hmm. that this isn't a real crime. Yeah. And over and over, you know, this isn't a fantasy that's okay. This is a police officer having yeah. these fantasies. Yeah, he it's, says it's not okay. It's not normal. You're yeah. like, oh, yeah, because I have a, a not a normal fantasy. I have to go to jail, prison, exactly. the rest of my life. Exactly. But that mind? was the line of argument he was using. So yeah. it, the judge, even though he acquitted me based on a lack of evidence, he still, it was so bad that he, the judge still felt compelled to mention some of these things. So it sounded as if, and this is what I didn't understand before, because I was like, I didn't know, a, I mean, I know a judge, they have a lot of power, and he vacated the, the verdict, right? Yes. When he, after, and, and so once he, but he, ahead of time, there was a motion to dismiss, and he said, I'm going to consider it, yeah. but I'm going to put off my decision until after I find out how the jury finds. Yeah, that's more of a question for someone who's familiar with the federal procedures, but my understanding of it was, since he didn't outright deny our motion, uh -huh. we were able to do that, you know, the whole paperwork route after the trial was over. Yeah, which was, Where, thank God. Yeah, basically it was, in layman's terms, let's see what the jury does first, and then and we'll if, take it from there. And if they're wrong, then we'll fix it. Yeah, I it mean, took a long time for him to fix, but I'm glad, I mean, he took the, you know, I'm just, he had the balls to do the right thing. Yeah, it's a fail-safe thing, right? Yeah. It's something that's, that's why we have judges. Exactly. Like that. To use their fucking judgment. Yeah. And not just to <laughs> carry out the orders of 12 random assholes who didn't get it right. I yeah. mean, like, uh, one thing that I hated about the jury instructions is that, like, from what I understood of your explanation, that if eight of them found you were a danger to, or that you had, you know, conspiracy, committed conspiracy to kidnap uh, one woman... And four of them agreed that you had a conspiracy to kidnap another woman, then you'd be guilty. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I'd never actually thought of that. They could kind of piece it together that way. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Um, where now that's where my lawyers, the, I mean, this, the, the paperwork they did was just brilliant. And mm -hmm. that was another line of argument was they charged me with one single conspiracy where I was basically like Tony Montana. <laughs> and I was, you know, the mastermind of this massive conspiracy of cannibals um <laughs> by the way massive conspiracy of cannibals playing at uh, yeah, uh mercury yeah, yeah. lounge yeah. this weekend um yeah it's i mean the, it's and 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 a hundred women that was see i, I I'll, I'll tell you the story from the outside i'm yeah. reading about this going okay a hundred women mm -hmm. jesus this guy had dossiers on all these it, they made you sound as if you uh you know uh kidnapping Kimberly or whatever, you yeah, know, yeah. your blueprint or whatever, uh, you know, and it's clearly something for your eyes only, mm -hmm. that that's that something you get a kick and out it was of. Full of it was full of fake information, too. Uh -huh. And the thing with the 100 women, there were no addresses. They said they were, I used my patrol car computer to run 100 women. That was just a blatant misrepresentation. That yeah. never happened. There were no addresses on my computer and yeah. nothing like that. Yeah. Yeah, they, they made it sound way different than, than the way you explain it in the book. I have 100 women sitting on my desktop. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, who doesn't? It's, uh, it's just, when I think about uh, the federal authorities coming and looking through all the shit that I've Googled, you know, just in doing the show that I do, you yeah. know? I mean, it's, it's, it goes way beyond how do you kidnap somebody, you know? Uh -huh. How do you cook somebody? Yeah. And, and those seem like natural things to Google anyway. You could be a teenager and just go, how would you cook somebody? I guess, yeah. I That's mean, it doesn't it seem like, you know, like something it's like, that... It's like mindless stuff. You're sitting there bored and you just type some stupid thing in just because you're curious or whatever. You're just not, like, you completely, your mind shuts down and... I'm up all night a lot. Uh -huh. And so <laughs> I go down these rabbit holes too. And and I don't know where where it goes. Who knows? You know what I mean. Sometimes it's history. Sometimes it's sex. Sometimes it's whatever. But I mean, like it's uh, it's certainly natural to when you're up all night and by yourself, and uh, it's you get off work at midnight. You know, I work nights. Mandy's always like, "Oh, you come to bed." I'm like, Are you "Out of your fucking mind? What am I gonna do? Lay there?" Yeah, you're not. You're, you're, that's another point I wanted to make. Uh, I, I I did an interview last week with people who completely didn't get it. It was awful. It felt like a cross examination, and they're like, "Well, you got home from work. Why don't you just go to bed?" It's like, you, you, people don't. If you work a nine to five job or if you work overnight, midnights, people don't go right to sleep when they get home. Your body clock is conditioned so that. You stay up a little. Plus, as a cop, I mean, I'm wound up. You know, you're dealing with all kinds of crazy shit all day. Yeah. 
When do you relax? Exactly. You go. You go to bed the minute you come home from no work. No one does that. Nobody ever. Come to work at five o'clock, and I'm gonna you know, call it a night. Yeah. <laughs> it's silly. You got to eat and unwind. Yeah. Um. So, when she when when um, Kathleen, your wife, yeah, found uh everything right, and you could tell there was a change of tone. She wakes you up. She's pissed off trouble. now. Yeah. 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 She's pissed off. Yeah. And so, I mean, this is that's the beginning. That's the real beginning. Yeah. And you had sort of like realized it was cutting into your like waking hours a little bit to be up all night. So you're already scaling back. I mean, you you almost got away with it, right? With a, and you never would would have known that this was a fantasy of, of yours. So, I mean, like, what's going through your head at that point? Well, I decided not to do the role plays anymore. I was That doesn't mean I was going to stop looking at porn. Oh, um, sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, I'm just, uh, at that moment, that morning, I'm just trying to say anything to get her to stay, you know? Um, she's like, her mind's made up. She's going to take the baby, but her, she wasn't this, she, I mean, she, she said this isn't goodbye forever. She wanted to just get away for a couple of weeks. And she yeah. even like, she's texted me when she, uh, when she left, she wanted me to look into, uh, therapy. Yeah. Couples therapy. She said, well, I'm not giving up. We'll work this out. We'll figure it out. So that was her initial reaction, which gave me hope that, all right, fine. Let's take a breather here and we'll work this out when she comes home. And and at some point uh, in the next couple of days, again, I don't, I, I haven't spoken to her at all since that day. So this is uh, how can you not? I mean, is is there an order of protection? It wouldn't be. You're, you're not no, guilty. there's no, there's no restraining order. There's nothing like that. But um, family court is playing out right now in Nevada. I'm still trying to get visitation for my daughter, oh, and that's man. about as much as I can say about it because it's done I under seal. Totally but understand. It's completely. Yeah. I mean, it's being litigated. It's taking a long time. It's, it's frustrating. I'm, I'm sure it's about as complex as it gets. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I did another uh, forensic evaluation. The guy concluded, I'm, you know, I'm not a homicidal maniac. It's just the money that's, it, it's really, it's bled me dry almost. I can imagine. You know, um, and, you know, a lot of people would uh, sue, and I, I believe you did that, that's bring being, a suit. Yeah. yeah, that's being worked out. I have uh, for a, a small number. I thought that was reported. I mean, this is in the newspaper. Yeah, eighty-four grand. Well. Ish. That's that's the first step. Um, they have this statute where it's from like the seventies, a federal statute where someone who's wrongfully in prison gets like six hundred bucks a day or whatever the number is. One hundred thirty-seven dollars a day. That's it. Okay. Yeah. yeah even less. Than that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, gosh. I mean, people get so much more than that. But I mean, so yeah. So that's the that's the first thing I have to get. And then if I want to take it further and sue the FBI, the U.S. attorneys, or whoever else I can sue, that's when I can go for more. But it's mm. like a you can't do them all at once. You can't like double dip. So that's a procedural thing. It's a procedural thing. Yeah. So after she left, took the baby, you're a wreck. And raw deal, the book. You describe what your life was like immediately following that, and you mentioned that on a day off, you turned on The Godfather. Yeah. Now that's something that I did when I was having trouble with my wife. Godfather too. I watched it I, probably forty times. Yeah, it was all I did. Was that? Were you like that at it all? Would, with no, movies? It, you know, it was it was on TV. So that's one of those movies where if it's on TV, I'll watch it. Of course, no matter what, you know, it's that Forrest Gump, Shawshank. I yeah. have these movies that no matter <laughs> yeah. what part of the scene, you know, what one hour. Maybe Goodfellas, in. maybe. Goodfellas yeah. was on the other night. I watched mm. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, so uh, it just so happened to be on TV at that time. That was It was nothing. Okay. Yeah, yeah for me, it was different. I, I, I had a different situation. I had one wife at home, and I had a girlfriend on the road, and uh-huh. I was, and they both knew, and they both hated my fucking guts. Yeah. So I was going, okay, I'm gonna, I just prayed that, I, you know what I should do? I should fake my own death. That's what I wanted to do. Uh-huh. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, and then you you figured out your nickname before before the, yeah before it showed up in the press yeah <laughs> so they're probably gonna call me the cannibal cop uh-huh. yeah it wasn't so clever I figured I did it on my own uh, if if it. I was arrested a month later it would have been the cannibal sergeant yeah. I would have been promoted <laughs> it, it doesn't sound as good I guess no salivating sergeant salivating sergeant there you go. see yeah there's yes yeah, I could totally work for the post you should work for the post. <laughs> It's amazing to me that anybody has any judgment about any kind of shit like that. Of course people do. Of course they do. You know yeah. why? Because they can't. Because they get an opportunity to judge somebody. Sure. Uh, and, and uh, you know, but when you have somebody you know, go through your computer like they did and start pulling things out, that must have been... Now, you're watching The Godfather, and you get a knock at the door, and then finally 
you know, there's a text and a couple things happen. They sort of lure you out, yeah. and then they you you know are you've got guns pointed at you. Now. Yeah, right in my hallway, about six, seven agents there, guns pointed at my chest. So I'm trying to stay. I had, I had my gun on me too. So yeah, because they had told you to start as a crime. That right? That your car had been hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, so you're ready to go down and deal with that. Yeah. As if I didn't have enough shit going on, now it's like my car. I mean, I wish it was just my car being hit. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Even at that point, you're thinking, how could it get worse? Exactly. And it just the beginning. Oh my god. Yeah. So they come inside and they just start ransacking the place. Is that how it works? They were looking around. They weren't really ransacking yet. It was more just trying to keep me calm and just how are we gonna get him out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, now I asked, can we do it in a way to make sure no one in the building sees me? I'm thinking I'm coming home in a couple hours. I'm not, I don't think I'm under arrest or anything like that. Sure. I'm like, this is a big misunderstanding. I'll explain it and everything will be fine. Yeah. I mean, so I was like, how about, you know, let's go out in a way that nobody knows. I can just kind of slip under and just no one will notice and I'll be back in a couple hours and everything will be fine. But how could you, you seem to know what it was about. I, I don't even know that I would have made that connection. Um, because I had nothing else going on in my life. You know, there was nothing no skeletons. I, you know, model model citizen, police officer. Like I had nothing going on, so I figured maybe like in one of these chats, I've chatted with some undercover cop who who the hell knows. Yeah, but, but you, you know, it, that's your only connection to that's, the that's outside the only world. That. Exactly. So uh, I'm thinking this has to be it. And then also, yeah, it was, since you had just gotten busted by your wife, then there's kind of that connection for, like, what you're already in trouble for. Exactly, yeah. Somehow, so like that's already in effect. my mind anyway. Yeah, exactly. I never really thought of that. But, yeah, that was obviously on the forefront of my mind. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. You're already you're already feeling like that guilt or whatever did it is. Did you study psychology or anything in, in, back in your day or not? <laughs> no. I, I mean, no, no, no more than you did. You probably studied more than me. I've been to a lot of therapy. Okay. And, uh, but I think it's the book. I think they, as you describe it, I go, yeah. that's, you know, you give such a clear idea of what kind of mindset that you were in. It's just, a, it's such a brutally honest book. You know, it's like insanely honest. And I, it had to be that way because when I talk about the case, Later on, I didn't want to lose any credibility by flaking out for some of the more graphic stuff or some of the things that are going to piss people off. Yeah, and so much of it had already appeared in newspapers as far as quotes, but like, yeah, but not, I mean, as far as like the shit from the computer, not the story itself, the way you tell it, right? Uh, which is brutally honest. I mean, that's that's a, exactly the way I would describe it. And the, uh, you know, you lead at the beginning of the book, you, you chose to kind of open with one of these, like, pretty graphic moments. Yeah, that's you know? going to, some people are going to read that and have to put the book down, I think. Mm-hmm. But Was that intentional? Uh, I was talking with my co-author about how to start the book because my childhood is boring. So, I, <laughs> you know, I don't want to start the book boring, so, like, how do we grab people? So I, it was my idea. It's like, let me write one of the fantasies exactly, like, Okay. So he's so like, all right. So you know, it's so, a hook. Yeah. So he so he said, do it and you know, get weird with it. So I did it. I did a first draft. It was like, this is like, this is insanely good, man. Now he like touched up a couple things, but yeah. Um, it seems like it's really in your voice. Yeah. So it yeah, it was in my voice. Um, now my co I call him a co-author because he kind of evolved into a co-author and a friend. He's we started out. He was going to be a ghostwriter, mm-hmm. and he was going to write in my voice. So that's kind of how the book started, but. The second half of the book's basically all me. From the arrest on, he didn't really have to do much. It was so still fresh in my mind, and I could put myself back in the prison and almost smell the prison cell. You know, I had this ability to just... Obviously, I'm a decent writer. The FBI thought I was a real criminal based on what I was writing. (laughs) Yeah, you you sold them. Yeah, I did. Um, You sold the whole city. Yeah, so so that that prologue is uh, tough for some people to read, but Mm -hmm. it's an attention grabber for sure. That's the way I looked at it, too, is to say, you know, I mean, uh, it, uh, it's a price of admission. You know what I mean? If you can't handle this, put it down. Yeah. And you'll be able to handle it. Anybody who likes this show will definitely more than be able to handle it. Yeah, I'm, uh, not, I'm not too worried about your audience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're great. They're, they're, they're smarter than the average podcast listener. I always say that. Yeah. Way smarter. They're better than most people. Uh-huh. And, uh, and you're better than most people. You're an, you're an amazing, like, person. You're a great guy. And it, it comes through, you know, that you have like a, you know, like a good heart. And that's what makes it all the more troubling, you know, the way it fucking plays out. That you just get so demonized, you know. Yeah, that's also kind of uh, what freaked people out, too, is that people who knew me was like, oh, he's such a nice guy. How could this? Now, when I was first, ar- when I was first arrested, people were like, this can't be. He was such a nice guy. Now I think 
people, you know, whatever. People have whatever opinions they have of me and what I'm into. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I just want people to conclude that I shouldn't have been in prison. I don't give a shit if they think I'm a sick freak or whatever. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's fucking, who cares? People, yeah, I, I really don't care about that. I just want them to, I want the people who are most freaked out and disgusted to still conclude that I wasn't, that I shouldn't have been in prison. That's, but, that, that, that's the aim here with this book. Yeah. Your case was uh, was early on for us, too. That's it's surreal talking to you, and it's it's really, really cool to meet you. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, man. thanks uh, for having me. It's uh, it's been a lot of, <laughs> a lot of fun. I wish we could have met under different circumstances, but yeah, like uh, you know, it happened. It is what it is. You're gonna come back and do this again, right? Oh, absolutely. So, oh, yeah, anytime you want. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Okay, so listen. Here's what's gonna happen. Uh, come back. Let's see. We're doing this show now, right? Uh, if you're listening to this show, here's what's gonna happen. Uh, Gil Valley, uh, cannibal cop, former cannibal cop, now cannibal author, will be. <laughs> on uh, the Kumia Network on Compound Media. So um, you're going to watch that because uh, you know, if you enjoy this interview, uh, we'll be talking about some similar stuff. I'm sure that a lot of different aspects this will come up. And uh, to hear, I guess, like, you know, part two or three, I guess at this point, however many, uh, watch it and, and, and catch that episode coming up in the near future. Uh, and, and I just can't thank you enough for your time. Yeah, thank and, you. And by all means, read Raw Deal. Get that book. Uh, and uh, you can uh, I'm going to link to that crimereport.nyc you can just go there there'll be a big picture of it click that next thing you know you're looking at the book you're getting interested in the book you're buying the book uh, and uh, that, that'll be out uh, pre-order the Kindle version is up for pre-order the paperback version is going to be up very soon but okay. it's being released February 20th, so. I promise you you will be very interested in the book uh, uh, one more time thank, thank you uh, Gil Valley yeah thanks for having me it's a lot of fun Thank you for listening to New York City Crime Report.